Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Acts 2 and verse number 38, the Bible says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We have already covered a lot of ground concerning faith and repentance, but there's still yet a little bit more. Amen. We desire to cover this morning. Hallelujah. If you'll help me pray today that the Lord would touch our hearts anew and afresh. Open our minds to his word. Father, God, open our minds today, Jesus, to your word. Help us, O Lord God, to learn of you and learn of your scriptures. I pray, O God, tuck them, Lord, into our hearts and our minds. Help us, O Lord, today, God, to be sensitive, Lord Jesus, to the will, Lord, of the Spirit, God, and what it would have and want, Lord Jesus, in this place. I pray, God, help us, Lord, to not be distracted, Lord Jesus, in the next little while, Lord, as we look at your scriptures again. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Uh, Last week, we ended talking about what were some of the uh, signs of true repentance. Uh, Whenever we looked at that, we spoke of how uh, John the Baptist, whenever people uh, came to be uh, brought to the water for baptism, that they would bring forth. Can you switch this back to what this mic down here is? Can you switch it back to that one? Because I sound like I'm in a barrel, if you don't mind. Just do that. Switch it back to what that mic is. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, nevertheless, he said to, to bring forth fruits, uh, for fruits or evidence, if you will, meet worthy or suitable, indicative of repentance. And so uh, there are some genuine signs, genuine evidences uh, that we have repented. And again, repentance is that turning away from uh, the world or turning away from that former means of life and then turning toward uh, God. We spoke about how uh, confession, uh, confessing that Jesus Christ is the Lord is a part of repentance. Again, uh, not just a confession with our mouth, but when you say he is Lord, you're saying that he is master uh, of your life. But something else that goes along with repentance or in our repentance is a confession then of our sins to God. And uh, Our repentance to the Lord, I believe, can go beyond this. Lord, if I have done anything wrong, so many times we lead with the condition like, Lord, if I have. You know what? You know you have. The Scripture says we have. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's like, Lord, if I have. You have. There is nothing wrong in our repentance of first coming to the Lord to being just quite blatant and honest and owning the things that we know that are out of culture and out of alignment with God and His Word. There's nothing wrong with stating them openly to God. God, this I know I've done wrong. 
you know, there might be other things that uh, maybe because you've not had teaching yet that you don't realize are quote-unquote wrong, but there are some things you start to feel conviction. Something happened in that service that you went to altar repentance. Something happened. Uh, there was conviction that took place for some reason for you to feel compelled that you needed to repent. And so, you know, name them if you can, admit your wrongs, and then ask God for the forgiveness. There's you know, we need a good identifier in our repentance, you know, with anything. You know, first step, admit that you're wrong, right? And so we need to admit, amen, that we are wrong, although Scripture already says that we are wrong. Amen. The Bible says in First John, still have a lot of Scripture this week. Don't want to disappoint anybody, so I make sure there was a lot. First uh, John chapter number 1, First John, that is, chapter number 1, not St. John, First John. First John chapter number 1 and verse number 9, it says, if we confess our sins... And if you look at the verse before that one, verse number eight, it tells us that none can say they have no sin. So that, that kind of includes everybody, doesn't it? None of us can say we have no sin. And it says, though, since none of us can say we have no sin, since we all do, if we confess then those sins, he, speaking of God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That is one of the best promises in the word of the Lord. One of the best promises in the word of the Lord, that if we'll confess or own our sin, then he will forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confessing our sins unto the Lord is part of our repentance. It's part of that godly sorrow, tears, turning away from, turning toward, change of mind, change of behavior. That all defines what repentance is. And so we're note, though, in Scripture you'll never see you'll never see that you're confessing or asking forgiveness of your sins, per se, to a man or somebody that's mediating between you and God. You don't have to come to me and confess your sins to me. You can go straight to God and confess your sins unto the Lord. I'm, I'm not a, uh, a mediator between you and God. Uh, whenever he died on the cross and his flesh was bruised and battered and ripped open and he gave up the ghost and the Bible says the veil and the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom where used to only a priest could go into that place that death that death provided for whosoever will to have entrance that we all can go before the boldly the Bible says before the throne of grace so you don't you don't have a priest that goes in there for you you can go yourself amen because of the death of Jesus Christ and so you can go in and ask forgiveness for your own sins and make your confession to God directly himself the Bible says in Romans 14 and verse number 11 and and I'll, I'll pause a little bit today in case you're trying to get there since you don't have your aid this morning uh, if you got a dumb phone or a smartphone you might be able to do it on there maybe even a little quicker Romans 14 and verse number 11 the Bible says for it is written as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow. It's speaking of the day that is to come of all that would stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He says, the day shall come, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Again, confession is made unto the Lord. Now, here's the awesome thing. Uh, you may have less to confess then if you do your confessing now. <laughs> Amen. Uh, for one, at that moment, there is no alteration and change. Amen? You confess now so that when the trump sounds, you'll have your change. We're, we're not talking about taking care of sin post-rapture. That don't happen. 
You want to confess now to take care of sin before rapture. Amen? And so we confess unto the Lord now. The Bible tells us even in the, in the epistle of James uh, that we can confess to one another, all right? Confess to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed, confessing our faults to one another. And that's really in the context that if I've done something wrong to my neighbor or to my brother, I can go to them and I can, I can ask them to, you know, forgive me. And here's the importance. I can, you know, offer forgiveness to someone, a release, if you will, to someone, but I can't offer forgiveness or release to their sins. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And so I can forgive a person, but I can't really forgive a person's sins. That's up to God. And so where it's important to make things right with your brother and sister to forgive a person as far as whatever injustice they may have done to you, you know, you need also forgiveness from the Lord because he takes care of the actual sin issue. Amen. The transgression issue that's in our life. He's the only one that can remit it. He's the only one that can remove it, release it, resolve it. He's the only one. I can't do that as your pastor. I'm sorry. It's too heavy of a burden for me to bear. I can't do that. But God can do that. And so a part of our repentance is our confession of our sins to God. Another part of our repentance, because remember, it's that change of mind. It's that change of behavior. The way that you think about the sins even you used to commit should alter. We get to a place where we should love what God loves and hate what God hates. We should, the word is abhor sin or hate sin. We have an attitude of aversion toward sin Romans 12 and 9 says abhor that which is evil hate that which is evil cleave to that which is good here's the thing sometimes in our repentant mode is we get half of the coin accomplished we start to cleave to that which is good but we've not yet totally hated that which is evil Oh, I love the Lord. Why? Oh, because he brings forgiveness. Oh, I love him. Yeah, but we've not yet assumed his attitude towards sin. And that is abhorring sin, hating sin. And whenever you start to remember that sin is a separator, it separates you from God, there within itself is a good reason for loathing and hating sin. Because sin in itself separates you from your creator. It separates you. From God. And so we must have the same attitude that God does. The Bible says in Hebrews 1 and verse number 9, He says, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Love righteousness, hate, everybody say hate, hate iniquity. Amen. That's a strong word, isn't it? A strong word. Amen. To hate iniquity. But if we do that, if the things that we used to do, we'll start to despise. We'll start to have a negative feeling, so to speak, toward. Then we'll even find ourselves least likely, less likely, than engaging in some of those things. Because most of the time, people kind of abstain or separate themselves from things they hate. My son, there's a lot of foods he hates. He don't eat them. For that matter, he don't like to be around sometimes even to smell them. Because he hates them. So you, you have a better safeguard in your life to stay in on the straight and narrow if you adopt the same attitude that God has towards some of those things through his word. Amen. If you, have a, if you adhor and you 
hate those things. Amen. Nevertheless, the scripture goes on. Amen. In Hebrews 1 9, they didn't read the whole thing. Hath anointed thee with gladness above thy fellows. The wicked forsake his way. That's not it. I'm sorry. I did read it all. Page numbers, folks. Page numbers. Amen. In addition, in addition to uh, having a hate for sin, we need then to forsake sin. Forsake sin. Forsake all sin. So we turn to God. We turn away from that which displeases the Lord. Here are several scriptures. I'm not going to pause for you to find all of these, okay? But here are several scriptures that dictates or shows and illustrates the turning away from those things that displease the Lord. Proverbs 28 and verse number 13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Let that sink in for a little bit. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Let me say it like this. When you try to get by with sin, you're not going to prosper. You try to live with sin, you're not going to prosper. You fool everybody else, but you will never fool God. You can fool your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, your Sunday school teacher, your pastor. You can fool everybody. You can't fool God. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso... Here's the positive aspect now. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh. Again, it's more than just saying here they are. It's also having that right attitude toward them. And forsakes them shall have mercy. Shall have mercy. And so it's up to you. Don't want to prosper or have mercy. It's all according to our attitude of sin. Cover it up, hide it, try to live with it, or just confess it, get it out in the open, forsake it. Before the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, very popular verse in Scripture, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, so the then comes after all of this, they're humbling themselves, they're praying, they're seeking my face, they're turning from their wicked ways, then, Will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. So there's a turning away from the wicked ways. John 8 and verse number 11, it's the story of the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery that was brought unto the Lord. And they wanted to know what the Lord had to say about what she had been caught in the midst of committing adultery. And he states, of course, the words to those that are around him, uh, ye that are without sin, uh, cast the first stone. And they all that had stones clenched in their fists had to drop them. And they backed up, amen, because none of them had, had, could fit that bill. Only he could. And he was the only one left. And so when he looked at the lady, he says, where are your condemners? And she says, I guess I don't have any, Lord. And Jesus said unto her in, in John 8, 11, he says, neither do I condemn thee. Go, but he didn't leave it at that, did he? No. He said, go and sin no more. So again, turning her back on what she had been caught in, what she had been involved in, going and sinning no more. James chapter number 1, verse 21. I'm going to read this from the uh, New International Version. Amen. It says, Therefore, get rid of all your moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. If you remember back our word of God, just a 
four or five weeks ago that were begotten by the word of God. He says, get rid of all the moral flat, the, the filth and, and the evil uh, that's prevalent in your life and allow that word that you hear, that word that you read, that word that you accept in your life, allow it to, allow it to save you, allow it to be, if you will, a wall between you and what you had known, a wall between you and what you had done. And so that's important. And so we need all things. Another part of repentance is that we make restitution for some of the wrongs that we did do. Uh, there's something about when you repent that it makes you want to make things right with other people as much as possible. Amen. The Bible says in Luke chapter 19, it is the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man. The wee little man was he. He climbed up a sycamore tree. The Bible says that the Lord went to Zacchaeus' house that day. And no, this is the type of man that Zacchaeus was because the press or the crowd that was around that area where Zacchaeus climbed up, they called Zacchaeus plainly, they called him a sinner. It says in Luke 19 and verse 7, they called him a sinner. He was a publican. He was one that collected public tax. And so being a tax man as he was, they had oftentimes were crooks. Sorry to say it, I just said just, this out. They were crooks. They would collect public tax. They would collect more than what they were supposed to collect, and the extra they pocketed. And so as a result of that, he had taken advantage of a lot of people. He was a sinner, the Bible describes. But verse 8 says, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the Lord came to his house and said, Behold, Lord, something's happened, conviction, something's taking place in Zacchaeus. He said, The half of my goods I give to the poor. Now you know somebody's working on the heart of a person if they'd start giving. And, I have and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, look at it now, I restore him fourfold. So Zacchaeus, he knows the, the life and the occupation that he has. He knows he's taken advantage of some people. He says, Lord, what's going on? Man, there's some repentance that's taking place. He said, Lord, I'm in a place right now that if I've done something false to some of these people, I'll restore it. If I took a dollar, I'm going to give them back four. I'm going to restore to them fourfold. And the Bible says the Lord came to his house. Salvation came to Zacchaeus' house that day. Jesus was trying to save him from his sins. All right, and so you'll start wanting to make restitution when true repentance has happened in your life. You'll start wanting to uh, go back and reconcile your accounts with people, with businesses. Oh, glory. I'm knowing people, just, I'm just talking here today. I'm knowing people, because I feel like I might get murdered. I know people that came to the Lord that had unscrupulous business matters prior to their salvation, whether it was owing money, even to government bodies, let me go this far, help me Jesus, even to the place where bankruptcies have happened, that after their salvation, they made a point, it didn't matter how long it was going to take them the rest of their life, they was going to pay all those things back. Because of just that alteration and change in their life and spirit of making restitution for some things that had gone awry, all right? Amen. So, the Bible sets up some patterns for us of repentance. There's Old Testament patterns of repentance that we see in the Old Testament. Um, we see that whenever Jacob, after being a long time away from the house of God, Bethel, he'd been a long time away from there, 
In Genesis 35, he's on his way to the house of God. He's on his way to Bethel. And that is in many ways a symbol of repentance. We'll look at the various things that he did. As Jacob goes to Bethel, he has members of of his family and of his entourage, if you will, that's with him. He asked them three things that they should do as they're on their way to Bethel. He said, number one, he said, let's put away our strange gods. That's what he told him. He said, let's put away our strange gods. What, what was the strange gods? What were the idols? Again, idols, anything that's between you and God. Anything. You know, it be wood, stone. It can be, it can be money. It can be another person. Anything that comes between you and your God. He says, let's put away strange gods. So, so what, is, what is Jacob doing with these people as they're headed to Bethel? They're in, if you will, a mode of repentance. They're trying to remove anything that stands between them and God. And so on the repentance side, of course, it's sins and all these things that we commit that stand between us and God. And so Jacob said, let's put away strange gods. He says, let's, let's wash ourselves. Let's be clean. Let's be clean. A purifying of, of the outside of, of the filthiness, if you will, of the flesh. He said, let's change our garments. They're on their way to Bethel. He said, let's change our garments. Again, laying aside of that which the garment identified them. Laid aside of what used to identify them. Right? Because they're wanting a different identity than what they had amen and so we're 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 you know taking off the old man so to speak putting on the new man type of mentality old things are passed away behold all things become new amen the scripture says that starts and begins at our repentance that that doesn't that doesn't just happen at water baptism or in the filling of the holy ghost that begins at our repentance Amen, that begins our repentance, that that change, that alteration, amen, for our lives. Also, we see in the Old Testament, David, anybody know King David? Okay, none of you do, we'll teach about him sometime. King David in the Old Testament committed a horrific sin. David and Bathsheba, right, is the big one. There's a lot of other ones in there, but that's the big one that everybody remembers. When we read Psalms 51, Psalms 51 is the most beautiful psalm, really, of repentance. A most beautiful psalm of repentance. Look at some of these words that are used in the way that David speaks in Psalms 51. Again, this is concerning his sin that he had committed with Bathsheba, adultery. Listen to his heart of repentance. I'm going to read just a few verses, Psalms 51. I'm going to skip around, uh, So, but listen. He says, this is David, have mercy upon me. Boom, right from the go, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, According unto thy multitude of thy tender mercies. Look at this. Blot out my transgressions. God, I want you to take care of these, these transgressions. I know you're the only one that can do me. Wash me thoroughly. These are words of repentance. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Nobody can do that but the Lord. For look, look now, David says, for I acknowledge my transgression. Own it, right? Confess it. I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before thee. In another place, he says in Psalms 51, Create in me a clean heart. Huh? There's a washing, a regeneration. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away. What's David saying? I don't want to be separated from you. Right? I don't want to be separated from you. Repentance starts to heal the separation issue that we have with God. It's not God's issue, it's our issue. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I don't, I, don't I don't want to be without the presence of God. I, I don't want to be estranged from God. 
I don't want to be estranged from the hand of God. So, God, I acknowledge my sin. Take care of these transgressions. Blot them out because my transgressions are separating me from you. Amen. Cast me not away from my presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Look at it. Restitution and restoration. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. And the Bible ends in the, toward the ending of the psalm. Verse 17, I believe it is. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. There, there's that aspect of repentance. The brokenness. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. We need a broken heart because we remember the sins of commission. What we commit, remember the, 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 the murders and the adulteries and all that come from the heart of man. We need a broken heart. Amen. Because from the heart, Proverbs 4 tells us, 23 I believe it is, that out of it, the heart flow all the issues of life. And so he, he's praying this prayer in the essence of repentance concerning his sin with Bathsheba. Isaiah, he talked to us, the prophet Isaiah, about true repentance how we should be instructed, how we should approach repentance. He says in verse 6 and 7, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let me tell you, if you feel like you need to repent, that's when you need to repent. The moment that you feel the conviction to do so, that's when you need to do so. Because evidently there is a nearness of a drawing upon you in that moment. You need to act upon it. Strike while the iron's heart hot, the old saying used to be. You need to do that while he is near. And then the scripture continues, let the wicked forsake his way. Oh, there we are again, forsaking the way that we had walked. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Here we go. What we do and what we think. And let him return unto the Lord. So there is the grand marriage of both of those aspects. Turning, turning away, forsaking the, our actions and also how we think, but then turning and returning unto the Lord. He will have mercy upon him. Isaiah promises us. He, he, he underscores the fact, if you do this, God will have mercy on you. You don't have to be questionable about, well, if I stop this and I change my mind about that, am I just going to be left out here and left field? No. God's going to have mercy on you. God's going to come to you. God will be your companion. Some people don't want to leave certain things because it involves leaving people. Because who you're attached to and associated to sometimes has snafu'd you to do things that are not proper in the eyes of God. And so to abandon that thing that's not proper sometimes means getting away from the people that are actively engaged in some of those things. And we have a hard time disengaging because we think, man, we won't have no friends then. God says he will have mercy upon you. He will come to you and he will abundantly pardon you. That's another reason why as a church then we got to be the one that comes to fill in the gap whenever those old relationships are no longer there that they need the relationship somebody here. Because they just, that could be all they had. People that led down bad roads and, and so they need a new group, so to speak, where they can have a connection because they are in essence in the real world tangible people maybe without New Testament tells us patterns of repentance as well the story of the prodigal son and Luke chapter number 15 will follow his line of repentance unto the Lord you can look at it in verse number 17 through 20 
So he's, he's, he asked his father for his inheritance. He gets his money. He goes away, the Bible says, into a far country. He spends everything that his father has given him on riotous living. He finds himself even, he would, he would fill his stomach with the husk that the pigs did eat. Amen. And so he's in just a horrible condition. But the Bible says, and when he came to himself, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my hard of how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare. He came to himself. And see, that's where repentance comes to. Everything's fine and dead until you realize, boom, something needs to change, something needs to alter. He said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare? And he says, here am I. I'm perishing with hunger. I'm perishing with hunger, but dad has enough food for anybody. And so I'm choosing to be considering desiring the husk even that pigs would eat whenever dad has everything, and I'm the one that left dad. He says, here it all, already starts happening in the mind before it ever is act out in his life. He's starting to think. This is not something that he does at this moment. This is something he's considering. He's saying to himself, I will rise and go to my father and will say unto him, make me as one of thy hired servants. Hey, it's back. Maybe it's been there for a while, just didn't notice. And he arose and came to his father. So there, he's saying to himself, this is what I'm going to do. And then we have, and he arose and came to his father. He did it. But when he was still yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So you see then this line, if you will, of a, a symbol or a line of repentance for the prodigal. He come to himself. He decided in his heart, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rise and go to my father. If he's going to his father, then he's leaving where he was at. Amen. He admits that he sinned. And then he goes on and carries through and he goes to his father. And I tell you what, just as important as all the actions of the son, I think, are the actions of the father. And that is his response to the son's repentance, so to speak. He went out and he ran to meet him, had compassion on him, fell on his neck, kissed him. Whenever you come to the Lord and you confess your sin, the Lord is not going to walk Yeah, that was bad. That was horrible. He does not give you the pep talk in the moment that you're confessing and owning your sin. In the moment that you're confessing and owning your sin, he is with open arms, ready to receive you, show compassion toward you. Why? Because if you're repenting, you know what's going on and you've come to yourself, you know you've done wrong. Hmm? You know you've flubbed up. You don't have anybody else to underscore that or capitalize that for you. You know. At that moment, it's time for compassion. It's for love. Amen. It's for the conditioning of the Lord's arms round about you. The parable of the lost sheep in that same chapter. It's the story of repentance, of of the, the shepherd going out, leaving the 99 and going after the one sheep that was lost. And whenever he found it, the Bible says he put it on his shoulders and he bore it back to the fold. And it was in that place whenever he came back saying, I found my sheep which was lost. He meant that I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. Over one sinner that repents. Amen. Let me tell you something. God will go out of his way to find the one. God will go out of his way to bring someone to a place in a position of repentance. And when he does, there's joy in heaven. And you've heard me before. There needs to be joy in the earth. We, we capitalize so much. Bless God, they were baptized in Jesus. They, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Woo! But what about just when they repent? Amen. 
Because for one thing, the whole removal of the baptism waters of sins in their life would be null and void if they never repented. So we need not ignore or look over the aspect of repentance. I'm missing something this morning. Amen. Questions about repentance. How often do we need to repent? It's not a one-time occasion. There's a difference between initial repentance and repenting, daily repentance. Acts 2.37 says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, said unto Peter, to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? That was the initial repentance. But daily repentance is just as important. It's important to God. Initial repentance may help us get saved, but daily repentance helps us keep safe. It's that daily abhorring or hating of sin, keeping in the right direction. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 31, Paul said, I die daily. He's talking about repenting daily. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1 said, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, which is really perfecting our separation in the fear of God. So whenever we have daily repentance, it involves our attitude of, again, continuing to abhor and hate sin, endeavoring to abstain from sin, seeking forgiveness from God for those moments when we do slip up and we do make mistakes and we do sin. The Bible says in 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation, big word. But basically, he's the payment for our sins. He's the one that appeases, if you will, the anger of God. And it says, not for ours only, but for all, for the sins of the whole world. Penance and repentance are two different things. Penance is when someone attempts to pay for their sins through having some type of self-affliction or punishment upon their life. The Bible doesn't even speak of penance. It does, it's not found in the New Testament scriptures because we can't atone or pay for our own sins. We couldn't be punished enough in order to take care of the debt. But there is repentance, and our repentance then mirrors his debt. He paid the price. He's the propitiation. He made the payment for our sins, for all sins. Because I couldn't earn his forgiveness. You couldn't persecute me enough in order to get that. But because he took it on the cross totally and thoroughly, then I get the benefit of it through my repentance Some of the blessings of true repentance, and uh, we'll wrap this up soon. Again, is that God forgives. We confess God forgives. That's a wonderful relationship. I always used to tell people, or we we traveled, I love to eat, so if there was a a pastor's wife that knew how to cook, I said, man, we got complimentary gifts. You knew how to cook, and I love to eat. 
And so that's just complimentary gifts whenever it comes to the Lord. If you'll learn the art of, of confessing your sin, he forgives that sin. It's a wonderful marriage and union of the two. And when he does, he remits it. It's a cancellation of the penalty that was against you. It's a cancellation of the debt or the obligation that you had. We say, well, it's free, it's free. But, you know, someone always paid for it, and he did. I just get the benefit of it not costing me. It cost somebody. It cost him. It cost him everything. Not only is the blessing of true repentance that God forgives, but God, and I use this word loosely, and I don't even really like to use this word, God forgets. I'd rather say that God chooses not to remember. Because there is no way that an omniscient God that knows everything truly forgets. He just chooses not to recall, which in my estimation is even more powerful. Because if you forget something, it's like you had no control, you just forgot, right? But if you choose not to remember, that's your will at work. As a matter of fact, and you can read in 2 Corinthians 5.10, and let me just go there real quick. 2 Corinthians 5.10, this is another reason why I say it's just not the mode of him forgetting. Again, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, if that's going to take place, that you're going to receive according to what you've done, whether it be good or bad, but everything's been forgotten, then how is this going to take place? Because it's not been forgotten. He's just chose not to remember. But when he wants to remember, he can bring it up on judgment day. All things will be set there before us. Good and bad. Right and wrong. Amen. But whenever true repentance, he chooses not to remember, which is very powerful. Do you see that in Scripture? Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. Hebrews 10, 17, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. He's choosing not to recall them. He's not keeping them above our head as an anvil, as some, you know, old Bugs Bunny movie just waiting for it to crash down or something. No, 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 no. He's not doing that. That's not the way that our God operates. True repentance brings healing. True repentance brings restoration. Again, I want to go back to 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Look at this, if you will. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, there's that repentance aspect then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin repentance a blessing of it is the forgiveness and will heal will cure and restore their land well brother McGee I did you know the only land I got is the land my house sitting on you know no you got to understand think a little bit think a little bit below just the surface here for a moment what did God make Adam and Eve out of from the very beginning the dust of the earth If you'll pray, if you'll seek forgiveness in your life, he's not just forgiving your sin, but he's doing some healing in you. You, this is the land. Some healing and restoration. I'm not necessarily talking about healing disease, but there's some things in your life that he starts to heal and mend and put back in place that was out of kelter. Amen. Repentance brings healing to you. I'll come to a close this morning just so that we can start in our new topic without melding it all together with this. But next week we'll start to look at water baptism in Jesus' name. Again, because our remission of sins requires both repentance and water baptism. 
in order for this to take place and happen in Jesus' name. Repentance, a type of his death. Water baptism, a type of his burial. And so when something dies, it needs buried. When someone repents, they need water baptized in Jesus' name. And so remission of sins is only complete after water baptism has taken place. Amen? Uh, It begins with repentance, but it's completed with water baptism. It's completed with water baptism. If you'll stand with me this morning. If we bow our heads here today, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Last week, we had Sister Lisa Geyer who got baptized last Sunday night, repented of her sins, and received the gift of the Holy Ghost. What What a great package deal. And that is still for whosoever will. If you're under the sound of my voice today as we bow our heads, if you've never repented, you've never came to yourself, you've never owned, if you will, some of those things that are wrong or not in alignment with God or His Word, or you feel a convicting pull upon your heart, amen, repentance is available, and it's necessary, essential for every one of us. Amen. You can go to the Lord. You can own your wrong. You can speak your sins to Him. You can call upon Him as Lord over your life. In the same nature, you can ask the Lord to start creating inside of you an attitude toward those sins like He has an attitude toward them. Abhor them. Loathe them. Disengage from them. Amen. Turn away from them and turn toward God. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I pray, oh Lord, today, God, we understand faith, repentance, water baptism, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. God, these steps, Lord Jesus, of salvation. Lord, we've talked about faith, our belief in you. Lord, believing that you can do, Lord, something in our life. We have talked to Lord Jesus greatly. God, about repentance, Lord, the necessity of it. Lord, Old Testament, New Testament examples of it. Lord, what it all entails, not just the tears and the grieving, but the turning away and the turning toward and the change of behavior, the change of mind I pray oh God today that you're able to prick somebody Lord in the heart today God maybe they've already had initial repentance but maybe we need to go back to a post Lord of a daily repentance and call upon the Lord and God we made some mistakes we have loved up Lord we have walked Lord Jesus indifferent Lord God to your commandments and to your ways I pray oh Lord today help us to confess our sins Lord knowing that you're just and faithful Lord to cleanse us and to forgive us Father of them all I pray God today that you're able to help your people instruct this oh lord today god someone lord jesus may need a a, a water baptism lord in their life to complete lord jesus the remission of sins they may have already repented but they might need to go down in the name of the lord jesus christ they've not lord never had that never experienced that lord to bring lord those repentance god that remission lord to fruition lord to completion lord by water baptism god deal with the hearts and the minds lord jesus of your people here today i pray oh god for these are salvation matters These are life and death matters. These are heaven and hell matters. I pray, oh God, today. And we need to approach him as such. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. God bless you this morning in Jesus' name today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.